Good day. This is Richard Lowe, and I'm with the Conversations with Influencers podcast, and I'm here with Jothi Dugar, who is a global influencer. She's one of the few leading female cybersecurity leaders in the world, and she's a people transformation change ex agent for organizations as well as individuals. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm thrilled to be here today, Richard. Well, thank you. So when you say uh, one of the few leading female cybersecurity leaders, that's, that seems curious to me. There aren't, there, there aren't that many of those? <laughs> I honestly wish there were more, uh, but unfortunately, the, the number of uh, percentage of women in cybersecurity in general has uh, very, very slowly risen. Um, when I first joined, it was about probably like 5%. Now it's about 14% of women and uh, cybersecurity leaders being women, it's even, even uh, lower than that. It's probably about one, one or 2%. And what's causing that? It seems like it would be an ideal place for women to be, to find a position and to a career. Um, well, I guess it, it doesn't seem very ideal one because currently it is male dominated. <laughs> so for women to see themselves in that type of role, especially in a leadership role when they when they're they don't see other leaders um, uh, that look like them it doesn't really prompt them to want to be uh, even in that field. But also cybersecurity in general has uh, is, you know, is relatively new. It's really, uh, I joined cybersecurity about 20 years ago when it wasn't even called cybersecurity. It was, you know, information assurance and there's been a whole lot of other term, terms put on it. So I would say it's still kind of a general, um, generally a new field, uh, but it's also very, uh, it's, it's perceived to be very technical. And my goal is to really change that uh, perception of it because it's really not um, only about the technical skills. There are parts of it that can be technical, but there's also lots of other parts. It's such a broad field, which most people don't recognize. So there, there definitely is a lot of scope and uh, room for women and the innate skills that they bring to the table, but it's just uh, not well known. Interesting. Yeah. I was uh, actually in charge of cybersecurity for Trader Joe's for about 20 years oh, wow. uh, before I was a writer. So wow. um, we have some, some confluence of our skill set here. And I do know what you mean about there being, it, it, it's being treated too technical sometimes. Like you forget about the non-technical parts. Uh, most uh, break-ins are caused by people, for example, yeah. which has nothing to do with technology. It's, it's social engineering. Um, what do you think about exactly. that? That is my mission, is to basically drive the people-centric approach to cybersecurity from a holistic, uh, uh, using a holistic approach. So since I'm in the holistic wellness um, business and cybersecurity and technology, I have a pretty unique approach to uh, cyber that I bring in from the wellness uh, world, which is the mind-body energy connection. So if you look at the mind, it, you know, it's the mindset and this is where the people come in um, to, uh, to, to focus is because, uh, you know, if you teach, if you empower the people, they will make the right decisions. But a lot of times in the cyber world, people are looked at as the weakest link instead of our biggest assets. So if you're treated as the weakest link, you're pretty much going to act 
as the weakest link. <laughs> well, of course, of course. And a lot of companies don't or feel that um, they don't want to train people in cybersecurity because they don't want people to be alarmed, I guess, or aware of even the, the things. So they're, they're ignorant about, um, for example, we had a problem where hackers would come in dressed as in, in a uniform and replace POS terminals, point of sale terminals in stores with hacking with ones that were modified so that it um, made a copy of all the card data and sent it off to the hacker site. If the store yeah. people don't know about that, they're going to just go along with it. Right, right. So, you know, by empowering our people to ask questions, to look for things, you know, you know, say something if you see something, all those, all those kind of things, um, and really uh, empowering them with the, the, the tools, the skills that they need, um, even, even uh, in, in any role, not just uh, the cyber team or the security team or the IT staff. It's, it's pretty much any role. Like when, when you're, yours is a great example, you know, even a cashier um, can be, can use cyber safe practices and what they do from a physical security standpoint, and also from, you know, a, a computer security standpoint. So, um, and, and, you know, when you, when we talk about social um, engineering, uh, that can be pretty much anything it could be uh you know, gone are the days where somebody actually has to steal your laptop, <laughs> you know, because now you could actually do it remotely because uh, there's so many Wi-Fi's out there that people want to connect to. They they choose convenience over security. So um, so it's been my my goal to bring the people-centric approach to cyber. And when we talk about people, um, we talk about the mindset, the um, the you know mind body energy connection because if you're not in in a in a um, the a right frame of mind or or a mindset then you're going to be making simple easy mistakes that you probably wouldn't have made if you were uh, you know if you're if you're really taking care of your your mental health and well being. Well, yeah, I was asking myself how people. I used to ask myself how people fall to the Nigerian scam type things. Um, until I almost fell for one myself. And then I realized how easy it is to be fooled. I had a, somebody who wanted a big ghostwriting project and he came in and he seemed real. And it wasn't until he asked, he asked to send more money than the book would cost. And then it asked me to refund the rest that I realized I'm dealing with, with the scammer and called him on it. And that was that. But right. had I not been awake, <laughs> yeah. I'd have been out forty thousand dollars, and that would have been that would have hurt. So, yeah. but yeah, it, it's it's hard to imagine being in a situation, or it was for me, that I could be ripped off by a scammer until I almost was, and then I realized how close it was. Um, yeah, it happens to everyone. Even for me, like I, I teach dance classes. Um, I have a dance company as well on the side, and you know, sometimes when it offers too good to be true by someone you know it gets you a little bit excited like oh hey this person wants to enroll 10 people right <laughs> um, right you know, and they start asking them questions like well you know um they're going to show up on this day but you know i need to just wire you the money now and i'm like well can you pay my credit card like no we're in the hospital and we really want to get our, our kids in the class to give them something to do i'm like uh, you have 10 Okay, first of all, you have 10 kids. <laughs> right. 
um, you know, then they start giving all a bunch of excuses and I'm like, okay, let me just look up your phone number and Google. And then you find out like, oh, okay, this is kind of a known scam. All right. All right well, <laughs> yeah. Big clue is they won't talk to you. They'll only, they'll only talk over SMS or over email or something like that. They won't actually yeah. talk to you because then you'll hear their accent and you'll know, okay, <laughs> this is not legit. And right. that's one of the first clues is, is they simply won't talk on the phone. Um, yeah, yeah. They're like, we're not allowed to take calls in the hospital. <laughs> I'm like, so which hospital are you at? Um, and then they so, asked to wire the money. You know, you don't want to wire the money. Wire transfers are, of course, you are not trans, trans. You can't get them back once they're there. So, all there's all kinds of red flags. Um, I've actually written four cybersecurity books now, ghostwritten. And oh wow! One of them was about this very subject, and it's um it's interesting the number of ways the red flags that come up that people tend to ignore. And it's all, this is all people that, like you said, this has nothing to do with technology. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, as people process technology for a reason and somehow cybersecurity professionals just most of the time just concentrate on the technology part and a little bit on the process, but you know, really not on the people aspect at all, <laughs> um, other than looking at them as weakest links. So, um, you know, I really found that to be uh, not a very effective or efficient way of, of cyber or, or just really in anything. You know, if we don't empower um, someone to do the right thing, then how can we call them our weakest links? Because we're not giving them the tools that they need um, you know, the knowledge that they need, the information that they need, and, 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 and also like how, how to report things. Um, you know, if you sure. take a common person, um, do they know what to do? Like if, if your identity gets breached, does every single person know, oh, here's a number you call, um, or if they see something suspicious, you know, here's what you do. It's, it's, there's just, you know, no one really knows what is the next step? But if, if it's a physical emergency, everyone in the world or in the U.S. would know, oh, call 911. <laughs> yeah, like we had a, a laptop of a senior exec that was in, he was in Colombia and the laptop got stolen. And he was all freaked out, of course, because uh, it had confidential data on it. And we were, we told him, okay, um, so when was the last backup? Backups? Uh, don't you do that? You're on a laptop in Colombia. We're not going to back you up and from, you know, oh, uh, well, you know, does your computer have a password? Uh, no, that was too inconvenient. Okay. Uh, do you have the locate me software on it? You know, no, you know, we went down the list and it's like, okay, you know, you're pretty much, your, your computer's gone and there's nothing we can do about it and whatever confidential data is on there. Let's just hope that they just wiped the computer and sold it rather than look at it, right. which is probably what they did but he was totally freaked. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, I mean, so yeah, there's just so many, I think the word cybersecurity tends to scare people away course, because, you know, the movies and the films and media just paint it to be, oh, okay, I'm like this dark, uh, I'm in this dark room wearing a black hoodie and, you know, coding away, trying to hack into stuff. And yeah, there are people like that, but that's not everyone. And that's, that's definitely not you if you're a cybersecurity professional. It, you're not a hacker or criminal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, you mentioned that people are the weakest link. Maybe they're the weakest link because they're treated as the weakest link and they're not treated as a strength because actually they're a strength. If you train them and you give them the information they need, people can be your asset. But if you treat them as, as weaknesses, that's what they're going to be. 
Yeah, and if and, and that's why I always compare it to a physical security incident. Um, you know, when, when there's a crime scene, the police are always looking for witnesses because they are your biggest strength. Okay, who saw something? You know, can you describe what happened? They don't they don't treat people as well, you know, they're the weakest link, so we got this. <laughs> um, but when it comes to a security incident, it's almost it's almost like we're they immediately jump to finger pointing and who didn't do their job and why did you click on this link and did you not know any better or you know then immediately without really uh taking the time to embed security into everyone's roles so um you know from an organizational perspective uh i'm a big proponent of just education information and and the continuous flow of information you know most organizations have once a year annual security awareness training and then never again talk about security <laughs> of course of course yeah and there's individual security too where like if your wallet's stolen what do you do if you're if you're um if your identity's stolen what do you do most people exactly. don't, don't have a clue and they won't have a clue until they go to the cops and the cops don't know they, and they're starting to know but they don't really know what to do and they're not going to help you that much so you know as an individual for, for me because i'm in i'm in cybersecurity, i always have plans for those things okay so what if i lose my wallet because hey there could be a hurricane i could just lose it because of the hurricane right. it might be somebody stole it so what do i do you know you need those that driver's license sometimes you need those credit cards so i got duplicates and stuff um, so that's, that's kind of important. Um, I was also in charge of disaster recovery at Trader Joe's. So that was the other part of my job. It was kind of interesting. That's a big part of security too. Yeah. Huge yeah, part sure. often overlooked. And what are you going to do when the thing goes down? Cause it will go down and it will self-destruct. They do <laughs> even in the cloud. Right. Right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, and so, you know, I try to bring in, um, I try, I'm, what I'm trying to do now is merge both the cyber worlds and the holistic wellness world yeah, together. So yeah. bringing the holistic wellness to cyber, because like I said, if you're, if your cyber leaders are not taking care of their mental health and wellness, then we know the, the, um, the state of your organization. <laughs> yeah, of course. Of course. If your people are, if your core security people are not healthy mentally, then you've got a problem. <clears throat> yeah and a lot of people tend to resort to or give a lot of importance to the malicious hacker out there and you know uh, nation state uh actors trying to hack into our networks and yes that that is a threat but then most often what happens is there's a you know it, it's it's what they call insider threat but the only reason it's a threat is because you haven't empowered these people with the right tools and the right information and the right training um, or they're being overworked, you know, so if you're, you know, especially now with the pandemic going on, if you're, if you have, you have kids at home, you have spouses at home, you're, you're trying to juggle being a parent and po possibly even being a teacher, <laughs> right? Um, you know, and, uh, if you're in the cyber field, you know, you're doing cybersecurity as well. And all it takes is one split second for you to get uh, an email or, or, or something if you're configuring something and, you know, you're about to do something and then your child calls out or starts creating a whole lot of ruckus 
and you know you, you concentrate on them and you come back and then you accidentally entered the wrong thing or you clicked on the link then it's kind of like split second decisions um and that's why it's a threat because okay it, you know if, if you're trained it's like oh you know what let me pause for a second like i was really distracted there maybe i shouldn't be making a this kind of decision <laughs> right now uh let me just pause let me do some you know a, a quick 30 minutes or sorry 30 minutes uh, 30 second um uh, mental exercise to sure. just kind of get me back into state you know so, yeah. There's also the perception of risk. Um, clicking on a link is considered extremely low risk by most people. So of course they're just going to click on it. Yet it could be high. Like I, I, I was expecting a package from the UPS um, a couple months ago and guess what came in? There was a, there was a scam email from the UPS. So, so it looked, what did I do? I'm a security guy. I clicked on the friggin' link. <laughs> Fortunately, you know, mailware bite said, Oh no, you don't want to click on that. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Because I have multi-layered defense. Because that's another important thing. Because um, I realize I'm not perfect. But yeah, even security so, people get fooled. <laughs> right. So if you if you um, you know have a set of practices that you can use to kind of just you know take take pauses in the moment, and a lot of people think that taking a pause is then taking away from what they what they think they'll be more efficient if they don't take a pause and just keep on going for the rest of the day. But really it's the opposite effect. <laughs> um, when you keep on going without taking any pauses, then you're really just driving yourself insane. You're going to have less uh, energy at the end. You're going to be less efficient, actually less effective um, as well. So I always resort to the analogy that I heard from someone about NASCAR drivers um, fastest people in the world, but every single uh, race car driver comes to a complete stop in the middle of the race to take that pause, to check on their tires, to get their car, you know, ready to go again. And, and, and I'm sure inside their car, they're getting their mindset and mental state, you know, uh, taking that, that pause, you know, so, and then they kind of keep, keep going. So if they can do that, you know, all of us can take that, that, that moment um, you know, uh, I, I always uh, recommend about five minutes every hour to basically rejuvenate yourself. Um, so I, I, what I teach in my holistic wellness uh, programs that I bring to the corporate setting are two minute, three minute or five minute techniques that you can incorporate into your, your workday um, so that you can take this pause that, that you really and it's a must. It's not a well, when I have time, I'll, I'll do this. It's like, nope, if you don't if you don't do this you know, for sure, you're not going to uh, be as effective or efficient um, as you, or successful as, as you could if you actually did take the, the five minutes. Of course. And one of the things that I found causes a lot of problems is today's mindset in a lot of people that they have to answer emails and Facebook posts and all those things instantly. Yeah. The, the faster, the better. The, how many likes did I get in the last five minutes? You know, I didn't get 10,000 likes. Oh my God, everybody hates me. Um, yeah. What I do to help partially to help with security and partially for sanity's sake is just I look at my email at certain times during the day and I ignore it the rest of the day or my Facebook posts or whatever and I don't keep the phone with me looking at it all the time to see who's talking to me because I don't need to be on that much on the edge of, of things and I think that mindset actually is is um, a bad mental state to be in where you need to be instantaneous and it leads to security problems on the phone, you could re reply to a message that's actually a scam message. You could click on a link. You could 
somebody could be hijacking a Facebook account and you don't know it and you're talking to a, actually a scammer. That happens to me. That happened to me several times. And it's always fun when I find out because then I can mess with them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it, it, you got to get out of that mindset that you have to f- answer these things instantly because you don't. And it affects your mind. It affects, as you say, the mind is important. And get off the hair trigger. Yeah, yeah. It's it's um, so technology had you know, like everything in life. There's a, there's a great use for it, but when you overdo it, it actually becomes uh, a health issue. <laughs> you know, just being connected and wired to technology from a mental state, like you said, is is a is definitely a wellness issue. But also just being around technology. You're getting all of these gamma rays that are being, uh, or EMF rays that are being sent to you, whether you uh, appreciate it or not. <laughs> um, and it's also causing you health issues, which you don't really realize. And then, you know, things start happening, go to the doctor. Of course, they're not going to dissect um, anything. They're just going to handle the uh, over, you know, high level symptoms. So you're not, you're not really aware of how it's affecting you um, until you actually just, you know, uh, uh, stop doing that. So, you know, kids these days, you know, wearing glasses when they're like two years old, mainly because they've been staring at uh, iPads and computer screens or TV screens for too long. Um, And even lots of uh, um, behavioral problems just because they're, they're not they're, they're not as active anymore um, as, as maybe we were when, well, actually, I shouldn't say that because I don't know uh, which generation you're from. But <laughs> Baby <laughs> boomer. <laughs> you know, like when I, when I was growing up, it's like you just, you came home from school and then you, you spent maybe like the first hour just kind of running around outside in your neighborhood. And, you know, then you came back, did, did your homework and, um, uh, you know, there's like no question about sitting there, like just watching TV or, or of course we didn't have gadgets. So there weren't any gadgets, but it's, it's just unfortunate now that, and, and, and what that, what that leads to is like, kids don't really know how to, how to be creative. So once they're done with an activity, like I try my best in, in the evenings after I, I'm taking a break from work, I'm like, okay, let's go outside and play. But the moment you come back in, they're like, well, we're bored. Like you, you just came back in like one second ago. <laughs> Figure out something else you can do. Like, well, we don't know what else we could do. We're we're just gonna watch the phone. I'm like, no, you're not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and they want to play video games because it's creative, but it's not creative. You're actually following somebody else's creation. Right. That's not your creation. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't matter how hard it is or how big the puzzle is. You're you're following somebody else's creation, and that's okay in in moderation. But it also affects physically. Um, people sit around a lot more than they used to. And I know me, uh, when I sit around, I get a sore back and I get a headache. And I know a lot of people who get sore backs and headaches, who get surgery and migraines and things. What did I do? No, I don't want that stuff. I take walks and exercise the back and do, do stretches and stuff. And I'd rather do that, even though it's a little bit slower than taking medications and taking medications because they all have side effects on the mind and on the body. Oh, for sure. And, and who yeah, wants, yeah. why, why would you want those side effects when it's just a simple matter of for me getting off my butt every couple hours for 20 minutes and taking a two mile walk or one mile walk or whatever it is and enjoying the outdoors without the smartphone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that, and, and the, the 
five minute techniques I teach within the within each hour include uh, things for the body as well. So it's mm -hmm. not just mindset and energy exercises, but even just just simply the act of getting up off your chair, you know, changing your physiology. So if you didn't have the time to do a two mile walk, um, you know, in, in the middle of your day, that's fine. You know, you can just actually get up off your chair face a different direction and you can do some, you know, squats or you can do some arm circles or, you know, just kind of, you know, twisting and turning, you know, there's different things you can do to change your physiology, which then changes your, your emotion and mental state as well. Of course, um, from, of course. Just from the office room. Yeah. There's also the hypnotized stare that you get looking at a screen. You're at the same yeah. fixed distance from a screen all day long, whether it be a smartphone or a computer screen, it right. tends to hypnotize you. So does the TV and so do video games. Mm -hmm. And that makes you less effective in life. And it makes it more, you more prone to make errors that cause security problems and problems mm -hmm. in your life. Yeah. Uh, it's just, it's an area that I am kind of passionate about. This is one of the reasons why I was excited about this discussion. Um, it's, um, yeah, it's not very uh, common. I think you're the first per, uh, podcaster of, of uh, a podcast I've been on where where the podcaster is also from cybersecurity. So that's, that's really unique. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw you come in. I was like, oh my God, this is going to be fun. Yes. Yes. I mean, we've had, we had break-ins and we got the first I love you break-in. Remember that one? The, where we lost, our email server crashed from 20 billion email messages. I don't know how many it was, but, and then we had blaster blast through the place. Literally it took us months to get rid of it because it just kept replicating and we couldn't find the machine that had it. And um, found a consultant who installed loft crack and broke into systems and we had to fire him. I mean, all kinds of security stuff that you have in a big corporation. It was quite interesting. And um, simple things like making your consultants hire, uh, excuse me, making your consultants sign um, a bond or something or a contract that says they won't do things or they will do That's things true. in a certain way. Like yeah. we had people attached into the network who didn't have secure computers. And of course, we were we became PCI compliant, so that was a no no. So they all had to sign documents, and we had to test those computers. Right. You can't attach a laptop to the system to the network directly anyway anymore. You, you had to go through the guest network, and then you had to make sure you had antivirus and all this other stuff. And if you didn't, uh, it was considered a big problem, and you could a consultant could even be fired for that. Right. Sure, so sure. all important, uh, all all the different things, and those are all people problems. Those aren't technology. Yeah, so I think that's where, um, going back to our first uh, discussion on about women, you know, there, there's a lot of misconceptions out there that, uh, um, it, that the only uh, aspect of cybersecurity is that technical part. But when it comes to people, women, you know, are innately um, wired to be collaborative and be more of a social and like a yeah, people person because you know they're you know they're they they already bring these things naturally from within them if they allow themselves to to be authentic um you know a lot of times they don't because they 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 need they sometimes lack the confidence and there's a lot of fear to be themselves within a male dominated environment. But if they do allow themselves to just be innately, they bring, bring out their femininity um, to the cyber field, it can really, you know, boost the, the field um, overall because you need that collaboration with, um, a, you know, 
uh, all all of your stakeholder groups, not just your your IT staff. You need the you need someone who can speak you know different languages. So when it comes to women, like they're they're so used to this, especially if they have families and kids. Um, you know, you're you're going to talk to each of your kids possibly in a different way because you know they're they're all uniquely different. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, you know, you're not going to talk to your husband the same way you would talk to your kid. So when you come to the workplace, like, you know, you're going to treat each of these uh, different groups of people that you have to work with in, in cyber. It's a very unique role. And I think women have that. They, they have a lot of what it takes. It's just that they don't realize that this is what it takes. And most people, even in the cybersecurity field, don't really realize this is what we need. <laughs> well, I think it's true of technology in general, actually. I just um, was reading about some AI initiative, um, I think it was Amazon or one of the other large companies had where they were going to use AI for, uh, to make hiring recommendations. So they read the last 10 years of history and that's how you train AIs, you read in the history. And much to their surprise, it tended to bias strongly towards hiring men. Well, duh, you know, that 10 years of history, they'd been hiring men mostly. So of course it was biased. Of course they pulled the plug on it immediately, but if they'd had one woman on the team, that would have been caught right like that, right? You know? <laughs> yeah, so. yeah. And that's, you know, it's, uh, what I find really interesting is even when I speak with other fellow CISOs or cyber leaders within the industry, I mean, of course, 90% are men, but then um, there's there's a lot of, I think, misconceptions. It's like, well, you know, we, we just hire, you know, the, the best for the job. I'm like, well, what if the best don't, didn't really apply for the job because, you know, they work, they're wired differently. You know, as, as women, like we don't, we actually won't apply for jobs unless we meet, you know, 90% of the criteria <laughs> Right. Uh, versus, you know, most men, you know, would apply if they even met 10% of the criteria. Cause okay, I have a 10% chance of getting this. So I'm just going to put it out there. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and women don't. So you don't know if you're, you're, you're hiring the best among those that applied, but then you're kind of leaving out the rest that didn't even apply because they, you know, they, they didn't feel confident enough to apply. So what do we do about that? So I actually started working, you know, I, I do a lot of mentoring and coaching with women and just getting them to get to that, that type of confidence level. Like, you know, just go ahead and apply. You know, what's the worst that could happen? You don't get the job, but you already don't have the job. So it's okay. <laughs> That's true of everything in life. I remember when yeah. I was like 19, this guy used to get, used to pick up women all the time. And I was, of course, I was at that age, 19. I was like, how do you do that? And he says, you gotta ask. Right. Yeah, but they're gonna say no. And he says, well, duh, some of them are. <laughs> <laughs> but not all it's like, Oh, well, that's the secret. He said, well, there's more to it than that, but you know, yeah. you got to get to the point where you ask and, and that's how you get dates with women is you just, you got to ask. It's like, okay, that was, that was actually kind of a turning point in my life. You just have to open your mouth and ask. And I learned a lot from that about life and things, but I think this, this happens with all um, uh, minorities. I, I, I guess that's the right word nowadays. Uh, I'm sure I've heard it from um, people of color and from uh, different other people, groups and things that mm-hmm. it's, it's obviously a male dominated, a white male dominated society in many ways. Uh, that's, that's changing. And I'm really glad it is. I always tried to have a diverse staff at Trader Joe's. I felt that that was important mm-hmm. because I got different viewpoints. 
I mean, you put, you put a woman and um, a black man and I had a Cuban at the same table. They're all going to have, and an Israeli, they're all going to have different um, points of view. And right. your problem solving becomes more enriched with that diversity. Um, sure, you, you know, you got a white guy on, a, on the staff too, maybe, you know, and, and you, you mix it up. And right. you, you, where the, somebody may come up blank and the Israeli may come up and say, well, you know, how about this approach? And the, the Pakistani will come up and say, no, how about that one? And you get this, this conversation going and, and the women will have a different approach. And it's, I found that always very empowering to have all of those different um, viewpoints. Uh, sometimes totally. it was more frustrating to, because not all of us, we weren't always on the same page. <laughs> right. Whereas if everybody had been the same, um, you know, in the same set, it would have, it might've been, more um uh, aligned yeah. but, but then you wouldn't have creativity or innovation I, I, from that i didn't want i didn't want a group of yes men so to speak i wanted right. a group of people who actually use their brains and yeah yeah and and i mean this has been scientifically proven that the more diverse the the workforce is you know one it, it does make a happier team but they're also more effective efficient and also it, it, it drives their creativity because just like you said they're not they don't all think the same so you really have to show why your point is, um might be the best idea but then when somebody else uh maybe takes that apart it actually opens up your your awareness on like oh yeah i didn't i i wouldn't have even thought that way <laughs> yeah so, so it's it's only going to drive um creativity and and innovation and going to like the next growth basically which you wouldn't have come to if everyone just thought the, the same way i mean i was married for 12 years and one thing i learned is that i'm very i'm very logical you know intellectual to the point i just want the facts ma'am just the facts you know just like dragging it you know <laughs> but the wife uh she passed away a long time ago but um she she was emotional and she wanted the she she was worried about feelings and and emotions and i didn't care i was you know just the facts right. yeah <laughs> and it produced exactly. two totally different you know, we both had to come to terms with that and and find a center point where we had the facts and we had the emotions and the consideration yeah. Um, yeah. And that's where I think the women can really add to this field because, uh, yeah, like you said, men are kind of wired to just solve the problem and move on. M most men, I wouldn't say all men. Of course. <laughs> I, I, I We're being very men, general but, here, actually. But, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I'm just talking about how they're innately wired. Of course, some men choose to do different things that's just based on their personality and things like that. But, um, Innately, you know, men want to just solve the problem and, and move on because if you even just think about the caveman days, that's what they were geared to do. You know, just go out there, get the, the tiger or saber tooth line or whatever it's called and bring it to the table and that's it. My job is done. Yeah, deer, dinner, um, go, let's go get it. And the wife's, yeah. the, the, you don't think, well, how does the deer feel? You know, we don't care, it's dinner. <laughs> or, or you don't, you know, the, they're not really caring about, like, you know, is the woman at home taking care of the kids, making right. sure they're safe and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, um, and, and this happens in our, in our, uh, this, I mean, I think it's happening more now since we're all in closed spaces. <laughs> <laughs> where, um, you know, when you're not used to, to living with your spouse 24 by 7 in a closed space, uh, then you really get, you, you get to see the other side more, and it's really up to each, uh, 
family now, how they deal with it, which is, I think, where why we're, we've been seeing a lot of COVID divorces, what they call. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I've, I saw that a bit. The, one of my neighbors, she has um, three kids and two of them are special needs. And they were driving her crazy because they're, they're all at home and she's not used to it. So now that school started, she's, she's much happier. Uh, she, her temper was getting short, you know, and she's, she was having a hard time. The, the father um, is a trucker, so he's not home a lot. So she was having to control these three kids. And one of them is literally all over the place all the time. He's got so much energy right, and it's right. just weird energy. You know, I'm, I think he's autistic and weird being different, not weird being right. wrong. Right. And um, so now she's much relieved that they're back in school and literally physically in school because, oh, because she, she has a little time for herself and she doesn't have to deal with that energy all day long. Yeah. And, you know, I think what I see also happening is, um, <laughs> you know, a, a lot of times since women are kind of used to, because they, they have to, sometimes be this way, you know, they, they have their job, they come back and they're, they still gather up enough energy to take care of the household, take care of the kids, put dinner on the table. And they're, you know, they just keep going. They're always in the go, go, go. Now that they, they're home or if they, if they happen to be home trying to work, it's, it, they just get more of a taste of, you know, what their spouse does and just, you know, just based on how men and women are innately wired, men focus on one thing at a time and, you know, they need, they kind of need that break or they just really focus on nothing. <laughs> right. Um, you know, and uh, most women that are, I, mean, I wouldn't say all women, but um, the women that are really like go-getters, like they're, they're leaders, they're, they're going after their dreams. Like they're, uh, inside their minds they're they're you know it's basically going at 80 miles an hour like oh i gotta do this i gotta do that oh like what, what are my kids doing oh what was that noise so they're, they're not really taking a break you know they could be taking a physical break at times but mentally they're constantly thinking of this and that and and i see a lot of this happening where <laughs> the women are kind of like uh wait i work the same number of hours as you and i'm still you know i I'm still going, I'm still taking care of the kids, I'm doing this, I'm doing that, and then here is my spouse, just kind of sitting there watching TV. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and it wasn't a problem before, because, you know, they were outside of their houses, and they came back, and they didn't, you know, most people were running their lives unconsciously before. Of course. And, right, and now people are just more conscious of, like, what each other is doing. <laughs> because it's in their face. Yeah. And that, yeah. that, of course, it's usually a simple conversation or even a complex conversation can solve those, those issues. It's when they're not talking that they blow up. Exactly. At least that's yeah. what I found with being married. Um, Cause I tend not to be a talker. I'm like, let's just do it. You, know, you, you told me the problem. Let's solve it. Of course, right. she would always want to talk it out and for hours and hours, like, oh God, when are we going to shut up and just solve the problem? But you know, <laughs> typical man, you know, <laughs> and uh, she would talk, 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 you know, and eventually I just tune her out and say, yes, dear, yes, dear, yes, dear, which of course was a mistake because she'd catch on. <laughs> You're not listening to me. What did you say? See, I told you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, darn me. My, my wife radar was, was not working there. <laughs> We're yeah. having a real life uh, marriage counseling call, like right on the air. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
those were the days but um um yeah it, it's it you've got a fascinating mix of talents there um the the mind combined with the security is is interesting an interesting approach to security obviously you'd need to have your mind engaged to be secure it i mean unless you're going to depend on ai robots and stuff and those aren't going to work all the time yeah, yeah so you know it's mind mindset um and you know when we talk when you're talking about um just being able to take those breaks, you know, also from a physical perspective and changing, you know, there's a reason why it's called emotion because it's motion and, you know, in an energetic um, format. So a lot of people don't realize that like they're, they're in, you know, especially if you're doing like incident response or you're in the middle of a crisis mode, it could be a security crisis. It just could just be a crisis in general. Um, people just want to keep going and, trying to solve this crisis like until they're done without realizing that this crisis might take a really long time to be done. You know, most crises are, <laughs> it, otherwise it might probably won't be a crisis. It'd just be kind of like, eh, okay, it's just, uh, you know, something that happened today. So when, when if you don't take that uh, physical break, like change your physiology, um, you're not, you know, you're just gonna dry, you're just gonna get burnt out and you're not gonna solve that crisis. So, right. and, and, and a lot of people feel like, well, what do you mean I need to take a break? Like, I'm in the middle of this crisis. I'm like, yes, that's exactly what you need to take a break. <laughs> um, and it doesn't have to be a long break. So, you know, just, you know, just get up, you know, just go to the other side of the room, look out the window, take a couple deep breaths and then come back. And I'm sure you're, you're going to react or respond differently to the situation. Um, yeah. Yeah, I remember our worst computer crash. We we had a it was a it was a simple thing removing a disk drive that was that should have been safe to remove it. There was a bug in the firmware and it caused it to ripple through and the system crashed, and it affected the DR side and the backups were corrupt and you know I could go on and on and there was no recovery at all, and I was awake for seventy hours with with one of my team members. Um, wow! Literally awake for seventy hours and man, reality gets different when you've been awake for seventy hours. Yeah. <laughs> talking about mind it, it, it my mind i don't know where my mind was but it was on another planet for a while there uh, I, I mean i took a few cat naps and things but that was that was my most interesting experience with with um what sleep deprivation can do to the mental state and uh my my the person i worked with um my dba he um he was awake 70 hours also. So we were having some, probably some very bizarre conversations. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 And it, it is one of those unique um, fields. I mean, I'm sh cause even in healthcare, um, you, you know, your shift usually, um, or, you know, when you're on call, it's, it's usually, you usually don't go through a period where you're, you're totally not on call at all. And suddenly you get called middle of the night to, to go do something like if you know, okay, you're the doctor on call, you might get called in the middle of the night. So you mentally kind of prepare for that. But in cyber, it's like, you don't, you don't know. Okay. Well, tomorrow at midnight, someone's going to hack in. So, you know, just be prepared to handle that situation. Like, so it's, it's almost like it just catches you on the fly and you have to be mentally prepared to handle something at, at any time 
any any time of the day, any any day of the week, even if you're on vacation, and you just got to suddenly shift from whatever you're doing to this crisis mode, <laughs> uh-huh. um, you know, middle of the night. So it's, and, and yes, you know, if you have enough resources and staffing, you can, you know, you can say, oh, okay, these people are on call, like these people aren't, but if you're the leader, you kind of have to be prepared to have get calls in the middle of the night regardless. <laughs> yep. Yep. I still, I, I, there was one time that I was, I was, um, I was going to Fresno. I lived in, I lived in LA. So I was going up to Fresno for the Renaissance fair and I had three models meeting me there cause I'm a photographer also. And we were going to spend the whole day at the Renaissance fair and then they brought costumes and things and going to have a photo shoots the whole thing. I get a call saying the computer's down. Now I'm a hundred miles away from the office and I had to basically run the recovery effort on my phone from a hundred miles away while doing photo shoots. <laughs> it was, um, it was a very bizarre day. Put it yeah, that way. I'm sure. And yeah, I, you know, that, that really gets to you. I mean, if you do it for a long time and, I'm yeah. sure nobody else really understands. They're kind of like, um, can't you just tell them you're not working? I'm like, uh, kind of not. <laughs> not when you're the leader. <laughs> right. So yeah, that's why it's, it's been um, just my passion to kind of bring that, that aspect to this field, because I think the people in the field just don't realize how important it is. <laughs> well, yeah, computers go down, companies out of business. And in many cases, especially the central computers, and we were literally out of business, so there wasn't any choice. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't take that 100-mile trip back because there was people to run. And I wasn't going to be on the phone while I was driving on the freeway, you know. So, and um, it, we had security things where the same thing happened. And it, it got to be a drag after a while to be on call all the time and have those kind of urgencies regularly. Yeah. Hence, now I'm a ghostwriter, and it's much easier because I make my own hours and make my own clients and things. But yeah. um um, so you're, you work for a, your own company? Um, how's this work? Um, so I have to, so I, I, for my security position, I actually work for NIH, National Institutes of Health. Okay. Um, but I also have a holistic wellness um, business uh, where, you know, uh, and I'm also an author as well. So. Oh, nice, <laughs> nice. Yeah, yeah. I have my first book um, coming out October 1st. Uh, it's called Ultimate Guide to Self-Healing. And oh, nice. I wrote a chapter. Uh, I didn't, it's not my entire book, but I wrote a chapter on uh, busting burnout for badass leaders. Nice, <laughs> nice. Um, you know, basically dedicating it to the corporate field. Um, so, because that's where I really see the, the, a big need for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's about 24 other um, really cool uh, spiritual tools and also just meditation tools and things like that. But my, my chapter is on the three of the easy mind, body, energy techniques that you can incorporate into the workplace. Okay. Okay. Sounds exciting. And how can, um, how can our audience reach you if they need to? Yeah. So my website is, um, www.jothidugar.com. J-O-T-H-I-D-U-G-A-R.com. Okay. And, and on there, you have contact information so that somebody can reach you? Yes. Yeah. There's contact information there. There's also the links for the books. If you'd like to pre-order them, they're going pretty fast. <laughs> sure. 
Um, and there's, you know, there's information about all my, all my programs on there as well. Well, very cool. Very cool. Well, it's been interesting to talk to you. Do you have any final words for our audience? Um, you know, from a mental health and wellness perspective, you know, always uh, reach out, never feel like you're alone, especially during these times, but really any time, you know, if you're facing something, I can guarantee you somebody else's as well. So, um, you know, the, the more you reach out, the more you, you actually talk about it um, and put yourself out there, the more help you can get and support you can get, but also you can encourage and inspire others to, to also, um, you know, seek out uh, assistance. Sure. Sure. Well, thank you. It's been, it's been an honor to talk to you. Interesting chat. And I hope you had fun. And there you go. So that's the end of the podcast. Thank you for coming. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a blast.